the series at the table is going to be um, four weeks looking at the generous hospitality of Jesus. And as we look at the life of Jesus and we, and we discover and we explore the way he was around meals and at parties. Anybody like meals? Amen, that's right. Anybody like parties? That's right, yeah, a couple. I hope that, that this, this summer you get the, the opportunity, the privilege, the joy of sitting around the table with friends and family. And we're going to be looking at the kingdom of God and that this, this life of Jesus and the way he interacts with people and the way he, he kind of um, doesn't always fit the cultural mold is incredibly important to how we follow and how we say yes and how we live the kingdom of God here and now. During this, uh, this four-part series, we're going to be in the book of Luke. And so if you're looking to kind of discover Jesus, maybe you're exploring faith, maybe this is a, a conversation that you go, you know, Kurt and Alan, if you had just asked me, I would have been ready to preach this one. Like this is, this is like your heart song. This is this, the way you read scripture. You just, just love hospitality. Then it's a chance to just up the ante to just become more convinced that the kingdom of God is a kingdom is all about hospitality. It is all about this incredible welcome and this generous love and this opportunity that says, hey, this table is for you. This meal is for you. And the way Jesus walked this out, you can discover this by reading the book of Luke with us during the month of June. You might be kind of looking to, to grow your faith and, and kind of have a plan for maybe some summer school. How many like summer school? Yeah, that's why we didn't call it at summer school. We called it at the table because you all like meals and parties. No, but if we will spend time in God's Word and begin to see that His heart longs for you to know that He loves you, and then we begin to just let the word like wash over our lives and, and inform our lives and breathe hope. I mean, just as Alan was saying about Pentecost, that it would breathe life into our very lungs. Maybe that's something for you. And so we're going to be looking at four stories in the book of Luke. And it's my hope that this series will just stir our passion for Jesus. You know, there, there are like, I don't know, maybe 70 churches in Pearland. There's lots, I mean, there, there are millions upon millions of people around the globe worshiping Jesus. And as, as much as I love the community at the Vineyard, it's like, I, I just think it would be so wonderful if, if the way we kind of operated around the table, when you're at barbecues this summer and meals, and you're out uh, on business lunches, and you're, you're kind of just walking through your life, that you would walk your life out like Jesus did. And you would begin to just allow the passion of Jesus to stir in your conversation. And maybe as we look at these stories, this will help us. This will help us learn how do we talk to people about Jesus? How do we exchange and engage people in the love of Jesus. And so let's just, let's just kind of come with some open minds, open hearts, and, and open lives. Like just begin to open our life to the life of Christ. And so I want to show you two pictures, 
Because I think when we think about at the table and the generous hospitality of the kingdom and, and the, the imagery that's painted that we are being invited to an eternal banquet, an eternal wedding feast, maybe this is the picture that comes to mind for you. Maybe go to the next slide. There it is. Maybe, maybe this looks like kind of a, a wonderful at the table and lots of people. And I'm just curious, anybody with the gift of hospitality go, that's the kind of parties I like to throw. I like to go big. I like hundreds of people. It doesn't stress me out. It energizes me. Anybody with this kind of hospitality? This is the generous hospitality of the kingdom. This is, this is one picture of what it looks like. How many of you see this and your heart begins to sink because you go, I could never do that. I, I just don't, I don't even know. I mean, there's not enough Pinterest boards to inspire this in me. It would just like, you, you would just be exhausted. Well, here's the thing that we want you to see. Is, let's look at this next picture. This is the generous hospitality of the kingdom. I'm just going to give you what I got. Are you thirsty? Here, let me share a drink of water with you. Are you hungry? Come, come to my table, because I've got extra food. Are you hurting? Let me listen. Let me, let me show compassion and kindness to you. This is the generous hospitality of the kingdom of God, displayed in Jesus. Yes, big banquet feast. Everybody's invited. And then it moves right down to just a person-to-person -person exchange of love. And so whether you view yourself as the most hospitable, gifted, like, person in the room, or you just think it's, it's all I can muster to just, like, do this and just, just hold the bottle of water out that I hadn't opened yet, and I'll find another one. This, this series is for you. The kingdom of God is for you. The hope of the good news of Jesus is for you and for you to share with people in your life. With people in your life. So if you want to follow along on your listening sheet, we've kind of got a, a little bit of a, a different format. We've got lots of open space for you to be interacting with the Holy Spirit, to be kind of taking notes. And I just want to set the table for us this morning in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, where we're going to see the generous hospitality of Jesus displayed through generous care. Generous care. That is the theme for the day. That is the title of this message, is that when we think about the generous hospitality of Jesus, it is generous. Yeah, y'all are listening. I didn't have to say it three times in a row. I've been told I do that. Generous care. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collection booth. How many love the IRS? That's exactly the way it was back then. Nobody liked this guy. He stole from people. He was filthy rich. And everybody was jealous that he was rich, and then they hated him for the way he got rich. And so just imagine, Jesus is walking by one of the most hated people in the town, a crook. I mean, these, like, Levi was the butt of the jokes, Tax collectors were like the worst of the worst. And we get it because we go, well, yeah, the IRS, like we don't want those phone calls. 
We don't want those emails. If you get an email from them, don't answer it. Tax collector named Levi. You can kind of begin to put yourself in the story. He's walking by his booth and he says, come be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Soon Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests were there. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Now hold on. The most hated kind of crooks of the city are throwing a party. Are y'all with me? Y'all following along? He's set up in his tax collection booth trying to get more money for the, the oppressive government. And Jesus walks by and in a phrase, come be my disciple, the guy gets up and just walks away. He leaves the wealth, he leaves the job, and he's immediately following Jesus. I would call this a boom, change, transformation, like whole new life. Why do you think he was so quick to do that? What was he looking for? He had money, he had wealth, he had status. Does that sound like our culture today? Oh, if you just have wealth, if you just have money, if you just have status. So see, if we'll just slow ourselves down and put ourselves in the story, we begin to see that the Word of God then and now is active and alive. So he begins to just follow Jesus. And then what's he do? He throws a party. He's like, I want Jesus here. I want Jesus to meet all my friends. And this is perfect. This is evangelism 101. You just share what God's done in your life with the people you're already living your life around with, that you already have friendships with. Like he hadn't been trained in like a a 12-week class. He hadn't been a a follower of Jesus for 30 years and now was ready to share his faith. He did what we do every single day. He just painted a picture of the thing that had captured his heart, of the one who had captured his heart. And so he brings all these other tax collectors into the house. And Jesus is the guest of honor. Are you following the story? Are you kind of building the picture in your mind? And then there's this interesting twist. Because it says, but the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. How did they know that he was at this party? Maybe they were actually at the party too, which is kind of weird. Because they're like shaming the people in the house, yet they were close enough to know what was going on. Does that sound familiar today? They complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? And here's where you know that they were actually there because Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call sinners to turn from their sins, not to spend my time with those who think they are already good enough. Ouch. Man. I mean, he just takes it and he just flips it. And he begins to just call all the judgment out of the room. He begins to call all the shame out of the room. And he begins to just speak generous care to the people in the room who long to my, just, oh, could it be possible? They knew themselves. They knew that they were the scum of the scum. I know myself well enough to to know that title fits. And Jesus just speaks right through it and begins to declare hope that the kingdom of God comes to where we need it most. 
need it most, setting the table. It's an incredible party thrown by this guy who had his life radically transformed by the hope that Jesus would say, come follow me. And he just begins to share Jesus with all the people he was connected to. And so here's some food for thought as we look through this text, because my hope is that we'll begin to just grow a passion for reading the Word of God and looking at the life of Jesus and begin to say, God, would you do in, in me what you were doing in Jesus? Would you begin to shape in me the life that I see in Jesus, the transformation that I see following Jesus? And so the first thing we have to see is that we have to learn to see how Jesus sees. Because it says he was walking by and he saw Levi and he called him and he said, come be my disciple. And when we see how Jesus sees, we see from cast off to called in. We have to begin to see people who have been cast off by other people, who've been cast off by culture, who've been cast off by the lies of the kingdom of darkness. Anybody and everybody who's been cast off is being called in by Jesus. That's how Jesus sees people. Just think about your day-to-day -day life. Who do, you f who do you see regularly who's cast off in your circles? Who is our culture casting off? Who is media casting off? Who are, are the voices, the religious leaders casting off? The scum of the scum. See, in Jesus, we begin to see that he sees people differently. He didn't see a crook and a thief and a liar in the tax collector Levi. He saw a man who was loved by the Lord Most High. He saw a man who he knew he came for. See, when we begin to practice the generous care of Jesus, we begin to call people into something. We don't cast them off. We call people in to the kingdom. We call people in to love. And when that happens, it's just amazing. Because look at the response of Levi. And may this be true of my life for all my days. The response of Levi is that he left everything and followed Jesus immediately. Full obedience, full surrender, full followership. I mean, do, do you think like they wanted him back at the tax booth? <laughs> no. He had just walked out on the government. Might as well be a traitor. He left everything. His well-being, his livelihood, his position, his status, his title. He left it all. What is Jesus saying to us about the response moving from cast off to called in? What do we need to walk away from? What beliefs do we need to walk away from? What lies do we need to walk away from? What stuff do we need to walk away from? What habits and hang-ups and hurts are not the ones that are supposed to be defining us, but we get defined by a God who loves us because he sees us for who we really are, who we were created to be. Can we see that way? Can we ask for those kind of eyes? Come, be my disciple. See, Jesus is always seeing with the idea that we would be in relationship with him. And when we say yes to relationship with Jesus, we get to receive the generosity of Jesus. And he says, you're mine. You're my disciple. You're my Levi. Walk this life with me. Be called to something greater. Be called to the bigger story that overarches everything. Come be my disciple. If we're going to see as Jesus sees, here's the thing that's got to be the foundation for it. We have to love as Jesus loves. Anybody ever heard that before? 
You know, you hear this, oh, great, like, let's talk about love. Well, there's like nothing more to talk about. There's nothing more to talk about. If we're going to love as Jesus loves, it will cost us everything. If we're going to love as Jesus loves, we will, we will begin to engage a story that people move from being despised to accept it. We move from cast off to called in in the gener- generous care, and then we begin to go from despised to accepted. The love of Jesus becomes our truest identity, and the generous hospitality of Jesus accepts us as we are. It meets us right where we are. It meets us in the tax booth. Anybody ever been at the tax booth before? metaphorically speaking, that's where the love of Jesus meets you. And if it doesn't meet us there, then it's not, it's just, it's of no value. If you've ever thrown a really good party, I mean, if you've ever thrown a really good party, I I learn all the time how to throw better parties from my wife because she has incredible hospitality. I mean, I'm just like, like, I would just say, like, let's just get some stuff, and hopefully I don't forget something, and it'll all work out. I'm good at inviting people. Like, I'll get people there. We might not have plates, but, you know, it'll, it, we'll figure it out. Now, the, the amount of care that's in hospitality begins to just say, hey, just come. Like, do I need to bring anything? No, we got it taken care of. Do I need to, like, get cleaned up? No, just come. Do I need it? No, just come. Just come. Just come. You are accepted. Come, come, come to me. Be my disciple. Come, be my disciple. Come, be my disciple. Oh, well, do I need to like learn scripture first? No. Come, be my disciple. Let me teach you. Let me love you. Like learn that the first and most true thing is that you're accepted because of who Jesus is, because of the one throwing the party, because of the one at the table, you have the most true thing about you is that it's not about you. It's not about me. If it is, that's a horrible story. (laughs) That's a bad party. But Jesus just goes, you're accepted. This is the community we are being called to be. This is the kingdom. Whatever you despise in your own story, he invites you to walk away from and begin to let the voice of God speak acceptance into your heart and mind for who he's making you to be. I need a God that big. I need a God that big that can take the parts of my story that I wish were not a part of my story and then place them in a story that's so much bigger that it's the love of God that will carry me through. And if not that, I have nothing. I have nothing. The Pharisees asked Jesus, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Can I just tell you, if we're going to be a community that's all about the love of Jesus, you know what the, the people will say about us? Why do you eat with scum? Why do you drink with scum? Why do you party with scum? And you know what I want to just say? I hope so. Like, I hope that we will know the love of Jesus so deeply that that would be us. Like, let, let them say that. Let the Pharisees say that. Because Jesus just cuts right through it and goes, you know what? The kingdom of God, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God 
is on the advance looking for people who long to know they matter and that they could be loved and that they could be accepted, that they look at their own life and they go, I need help. I need help. That's what the church is. The church is a group of people who are going, hey, I need help. I can't do it on my own. I'm not good enough. I need Jesus. That's what Levi understood. He looked at his own life and goes, not enough. So when Jesus came and says, come follow me, he goes, I'm all in. Everything I could do on my own was not enough. Jesus, would you be enough for me? Would we be a community that's so captured by the generous hospitality of the kingdom, the generous care of Jesus, that we begin to just welcome with greater arms and more room at the table and more seats at the table and bigger doors that just says, come on. If you think you're despised here at the vineyard, you're going to discover you're accepted in the love of Jesus. So we can reach as Jesus reaches. Jesus invited Levi, a.k.a. Matthew, one of the gospel writers. He wrote one of the books of the Bible. He went from scum of the scum to author of one of the most hope-filled books in the Bible. Why? Because he, he learned how to be obedient to God. He followed he learned how to say yes to God with his whole life. That we would reach as Jesus reaches, that we are invited to invite. We're invited to invite. How many of you love getting invitations to parties? Okay. If you're an introvert, you like getting invited to like, like twos and threes for coffee. <laughs> like that's a party, right? Just, you just love getting invited. How many, you just, hey, would you come to dinner? Like, it feels great. Hey, you want to grab coffee? Hey, you want to grab, go out after work? You want to do this? Do that. It feels nice to be invited. That is the generous care of the kingdom. Personally invited. Personally cared for. So there's, there's one primary player in this story that I have not really kind of talked about. So what about the Pharisees? I've got a good picture for you here. There you go. I don't know that this is, I, I actually think this is like taken from a movie, reproducing. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that the quality of the photography would have lasted this long for me to get that picture, you know. Thank you for laughing at that lame attempt at a joke. So what about the Pharisees? If it was, if it was on, on beard growth alone, I could never be a Pharisee. <laughs> but this is the thing about the Pharisees. It, it has nothing to do with the beard. It has everything to do with heart. And in my heart, I can, I can be the most Pharisaical person in the world. Like, what about the Pharisees? Why were they so mad? What was their deal? Why, why could they walk around and call people scum? Like, like, did they not stink? Like, did they, like, what was going on there? I mean, when you read, and here's what I'm trying to do. When you read the gospel stories, when you read the stories about Jesus, don't just, like, read it like a textbook. Like, let your, let your curiosity, like, move through a little bit. Like, let the Holy Spirit begin to inspire questions and and thoughtfulness. And so I just kind of wondered, like, like, what made them so self-righteous? Like, why were they so good? Why, 
were they so judgmental? Like, what, what harshness in them was like going to parties being like, why are you eating with scum? I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, they were invited to the party too. I don't get that. Why were they so hard? Like, people from all over the region were flocking to Jesus. They were, they were hanging on every word. And everywhere the Pharisees went, they would be like, oh yeah, well, I mean, Jesus, why, why don't you fast? Why don't you do like religious stuff? Why, why are you such like a, you know, why do you break the law? I mean, they were like so looking for all the rules, all the rules. And then I look back at my life and I was like looking for all the rules, all the rules. I want to be perfect. I want to have it figured out. I want to be good. I want people to like me. I want, I want this. I want that. And so the question I ultimately came to is, where is there a Pharisee in me? Where is it that I look at somebody and go, oh, and I despise them? Where is it that I might look at somebody and go, you can't sit at my table? Where is that in me? Great quote from A.W. Tozer. I've got a photo of it. it. says this, A Pharisee is hard on others and easy on himself. That was culturally speaking, or herself, modern day culture. But a spiritual man or woman is easy on others and hard on himself. How is it somebody who is the scum of the scum, the like butt of all the religious jokes, the thief in the town, the tax collector, immediately is invited in the kingdom? Because the invitation is all about surrender to Jesus. I don't have to have my life put together to be invited into relationship with Jesus. That's the whole point. I don't have my life put together. That's why I need Jesus. Mature spirituality begins to soften my heart and I just begin to go, oh, there's so much grace for you. There's so much grace for you because no matter where you are in your life, Jesus loves you right now. He's inviting you right now to know his love first. Like that's what we know first. That's what we're invited to first. A spiritual man or woman of great kindness is easy on others and then just calls for full obedience in their own life full transformation in their own life. Because when we go on that journey, we begin to just extend grace. And it's like, hey, just, man, like, let God love you through this. Let God invite you to more. Let God invite you to be his disciple, to follow. The invitation of Jesus is greater than anything else. If there's anything in this world that can trump the love of Jesus, God is not God. If there's anything in this world more powerful than the love of God, we all have a problem. If there's anything in this world that goes, that somehow usurps and covers over what God is ultimately able to do through all of eternity, inviting us to the ultimate wedding feast, then he's not who he says he is. The invitation of Jesus, rooted in love, is greater than anything. question is, what will I do with it in my own life? What will I do with the invitation of Jesus in my own heart and in my own mind? See, I think the generous hospitality of the kingdom begins to break the lie that we need to get cleaned up to be invited to the party. The love of God begins to just say, you're welcome. Like, come. Come be cared for. 
I came for the sick. I came for the hurting. I came for the broken. I came for the ones who need help. I came for the ones who need to know that they're loved. I came for the ones who need to be accepted, who need to be welcomed. That's who I came for. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call sinners to turn from their sins and not to spend my time with those who think they are already good enough. I already told the worship team this so they can get a good laugh, but here's the culturally relevant translation. If you are a hot mess, you've come to the right place. If you are hurting, you've come to the right place. In the chaos, in the crazy, in the questionings, in the uncertainty, in the insecurity, you've come to the right place. Jesus is for you, and he loves you, and he wants to breathe hope and life into you by his power, not yours, by his love, by his identity, by him and the kingdom, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May it come fully to where you are. The generous hospitality taking care of you where you have need.